Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, we are all well aware that drug addictions are basically a pandemic in our society today. And it's not only a problem in major metropolitan cities, but literally across, it crosses all social and economic boundaries as well. I know. I was addicted to painkillers a few years back after almost seven years of use. And my father had a drug problem. I have a brother that had a drug problem. As a police officer, I also arrested my share of people who were found to be in possession of drugs, drugs of various kinds. I've also seen that a policy of lock them up does not mean they're able to get cleaned up. Many times these things are still available in the prison system. Many times these people just get released and go right back to the neighborhoods that they've always known and into the same situation they've always lived in. There's really not a concerted effort to get to the root of the problem. My guest today is Christina Dent, the founder and president of End It For Good, a 501c3 nonprofit formed in 2019. Christina is a politically conservative Christian who supported criminalizing drugs until she became a foster parent and saw up close the negative effects the current system was actually perpetrating on those who needed the most help. And she researched why drug-related harm was not decreasing, and she became convinced that it was because the criminal justice system is simply the wrong tool to be used for addressing the drug problem in this nation. And Christina was on our program a couple of years ago. We had a great in-depth discussion and conversation about her efforts to help correct the societal problem of criminalizing those who use drugs instead of creating real solutions to the issue. Amen. Christina recently released her new book on this topic called Curious, A Foster Mom's Discovery of an Unexpected Solution to Drugs and Addiction. With that being said, Help me welcome back to the program, Christina Dent. Christina, thank you for coming back on the program today and sharing all about your new book. I do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Pastor Rob. I'm so excited to be back. Amen. Now, for the sake of those that may not have heard our prior interview a couple of years ago, can you tell us in your own words, who is Christina Dent? Yeah, I'm a born and raised Mississippian. I have lived here my whole life. Um met my college sweetheart, have been married to him for almost 19 years now. We have Amen. three sons together. Um, and it's just uh, my my life here really has been a little bit of a storybook. I had a wonderful childhood, um, a wonderful high school experience. I wasn't exposed to drugs uh, in high school or college. I have a degree in Bible. So my my world kind of fit in that bubble of Christian, good girl, you know, just not really getting involved in anything that that wasn't part of the straight and narrow path. And I was kind of a perfectionist. So I liked following that straight and narrow path and checking all the boxes. And um, so that was kind of my childhood up through adulthood that continued in my adult years. And I really felt like this is how the world works. 
you just make good choices and life goes well for you and you make bad choices and life doesn't go well, but that's your own fault. So I, you know, I, I had a lot of empathy and in some areas I could be very empathetic. Um, and yet in other areas, particularly if it was anything related to your own behavior, the empathy just shut off completely. And I, I, did, I couldn't articulate that. I didn't even recognize that, that that was happening for me um, until we became foster parents. And through that experience, I met the mom of one of our foster sons. Her name is Joanne. Um, and in meeting her, I had this experience of seeing her simultaneously struggling with methamphetamine addiction that she'd struggled with a substance use for years, about 20 years she had been using by the time that I met her. Um, and yet she was also this loving mother who wanted so desperately to be there um, for her son. You know, after he was born, he came to our house straight from the hospital after his birth and she went to inpatient drug treatment um, and she would call me from treatment and sing to him over speakerphone. You know, just these incredibly intimate experiences that she let me in on and helped me to slowly over time see she's a mom like me. And previously I had not thought about people struggling with addiction that way. I had thought these are definitely not people like me. They're doing things I would not do. And I really had kind of taken in that um, the message I got from the culture, which is, you know, if you're using drugs, you're a bad person. If you're if you're struggling with addiction, you're kind of a, a step up bad person. Um, and I had no way of understanding that any other way. And so when I met her and got to know her and saw this, person that was so reflective of myself, my own motherhood, my own desires for my children, my own love for them. It really kind of brought me to this um, point of uh, conflict, really lots of internal conflict over, wait a second, if this is true, if she really is a mom like me, then I have massively understood what's actually going on behind addiction I also feel extremely uncomfortable with the fact that we're incarcerating people for the same issue that she is dealing with. Like I began to ask all these questions that I had never asked before. They they had seemed like foregone conclusions to me. Bad people use drugs. Bad people should be in jail. You know, it's kind of A plus B equals C. But she helped me see there was a lot more to this issue. And that took me on this learning journey and um, I ended up starting into for good as uh, out of that passion to help other people learn the same things I had the opportunity to learn and rethink what we've been doing. And my new book is part of that journey of really sharing more than in a, a 20 minute interview, which is really only enough time to get people going, wait, what, what are you actually, you know, the <laughs> solutions, how could that be actually a solution? Don't we have to incarcerate people? You know, I can kind of raise a lot of questions for people um, and wanted to in the book show my own learning journey and then invite people to take it wherever they want to. If they, if they become convinced of the same things that I was convinced of, that's great. If not, I hope they at least walk away with a much better understanding of what is happening behind addiction and how to love the people in their life who are struggling with it. 
Yeah. Amen. And, and, you know, life hasn't always been a bed of roses for you either. I mean, you, you know, you, you talk about walking straight and narrow and all that, but I mean, you had some serious situations that happened in your life. You know, I was, I was going through some of the book and, you know, you were involved in a serious train accident. You know, you lost both your mother and father of cancer and, and all of this shaped your life. Basically. I mean, you, you had to overcome bad things too. Right. So did that, more or less harden you to, Hey, you know, I suffered stuff, but yet I made good decisions and, you know, you guys are suffering stuff and you made bad decisions. Is that what, one of the things that kind of, you know, separated the, the feelings or. How yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think it was, um, I did go through very hard things and yet I always saw those as, you know, there's things that happen to you that you can't control, and I can have a lot of compassion for that. And then there's decisions you make that are, you know, whatever consequences come from them, I don't really have a lot of compassion for. And one of the things that I learned on this learning journey that really reshaped how I think about drug use and people who are struggling with addiction in particular is stopping just looking at the behavior. A behavior is like just the tip of this iceberg of what's actually going on. So the behaviors that are present with addiction and instead looking at what's underneath that and what's driving that. And for many people, it is experiences that they also didn't have control over. It is losses they had in their life. It is in some ways could be some of the same things that happened to me and maybe they didn't have a support system around them to help them process and, and make it through those experiences. Maybe it was um, incredible harm that happened to them, like abuse or neglect. So even when I think about the traumas in my own life of living through this train accident when I was 15, when 11 other people were killed, um, or losing my parents when I was my mom when I was a teenager, my dad when I was in my early 20s, um, those were, for me, not, um, it, it, it is a, an entirely different kind of trauma than being abused as a child. And so not everybody who's struggling with addiction has that experience of abuse or something like that. And yet addictions find a place to grow and thrive when other things are missing. That might be a sense of safety. It might be um, connection with loving, supportive people in your life. It might be uh, a lack of purpose. Um, It might be uh, chemical imbalances. It might be, you know, there's so many things that can kind of set the stage for addiction. Some of that can be genetic. Um, But we know that the experiences that we have in our childhoods and adulthoods that are very difficult for us, traumatic experiences, are one of the highest risk factors for um, for addiction. And so, it, you know, as I'm beginning to look, I think what happened is I, I stopped looking so much externally and I started looking internally, not what's the behavior being done, but what is the pain that's behind that behavior? And that really got me thinking about, wait a second, if, if a lot of addiction is driven by um, pain, then increasing the amount of pain in someone's life through incarceration, through separating them from their family and job and all of those positive things in their life is only going to bring worse outcomes. It's, it's not going to heal the pain and it's going to make life a whole lot more difficult than it was yeah. previously. And 
that began this kind of um, passion for me of inviting other people to re to rethink the use of the criminal justice system for consumers, for people who are using drugs, um, but also in these other ways, like for the markets and for the substances themselves, because we have today an overdose crisis that is largely driven by unregulated drugs that people are buying off the street. Yeah. And they're, they're buying them because they there is no legal option for them to buy a quality controlled product. So even though I might not want people using drugs, I certainly don't want to encourage people in drug use that can completely destroy your life. Um, yet there is the flip side. All of our choices have a flip side to them of what's the collateral consequence on that. And that's what I wanted to do with the book is really take people on my journey as a Christian rethinking this issue. Um, when I know many of us were taught in our communities of faith growing up, this view of drug use, that drugs yeah. are bad, and people who use them are bad. This is really a, a just a sin issue. There's not really anything else going on here. And I, I wanted to help people think about that a little more deeply, um, but do it in a book where it's story-driven, the chapters are short, it's not academic in nature. Um, it really is taking people on my learning journey and saying, this is this is what I learned. This is yeah. what the research says. These are the stories of people who can help connect the dots on that. And then let's think about, are we actually getting the kind of outcomes we want? And if right. we're not, are we willing to consider something different? And it might actually be that changing our approach could save a lot of people's lives and help a lot of families while also improving public safety. Amen. Amen. You know, I remember... Last time you were on uh, in the prior interview, you compared the war on drugs with prohibition in this nation back in the 1900s. Could you go over that briefly again for our listeners? Because that made complete sense. Yeah. Um, we often think about and we talk about drugs and alcohol. Um, and I think we need to just acknowledge the truth that alcohol is a drug. It is just on the continuum of drugs. Um, it is a drug. And so we already have this history of what we have done with a drug that can cause a lot of problems. It can kill people. It can be very detrimental in society and families and people's lives. And yet what we did with alcohol is we took a drug that had some problems and we decided to prohibit it back in the 1920s. We did. And it didn't take away the problems. People continued to drink. Um, now they were drinking unregulated alcohol. So it was whatever people sold to them in an unmarked bottle. But they continued to drink. And we had additional harms that came as part of that prohibition. So you suddenly have the organized crime. They are in the market for alcohol because law-abiding business people can't sell it anymore. So it has to go underground. And that just means... The criminal element is going to pick up that market, and they're going to make all the money that can be made in that market. And Just so, as they have with drugs. Yeah, exactly. So you've got illegal drugs today, you know, somewhere around a $500 billion a year market. All of that money is going to support the enterprises of organized crime, whether that's gangs, cartels, terrorist organizations. Um, primary funding comes from the prohibition of drugs. And so... With alcohol, we we recognized alcohol still can have a lot of problems. It still causes a lot of problems in society. And yet, prohibiting it has caused even more. And yet, we yeah. have 
replicated the harms with other drugs with even worse outcomes. So with alcohol, you didn't have lots of people dying from you know fentanyl contamination. That wasn't a right. thing at that time. And yet you do today have the vast majority of people who are dying from a drug overdose are dying from contaminated drugs. Yeah. And so you get these high potency drugs on the street when there's no regulation. People don't have any idea what actually is in this little baggie that they have bought. They don't know how to dose it appropriately. And so you get all of this crime from an underground market. You get all of these overdoses from people not being able to accurately dose what they're buying. And you get all of these consumers who are incarcerated for what I absolutely believe is a health issue. It might have other components to it. It might have a spiritual component to it. It might have psychological. It might have, you know, just the chemical makeup of your body. But it is clearly a, a health issue. It is something going on in in your body. It is not a choice to commit a crime or because I am a terrible person, you know, I'm going to to engage in this. And so we learned the lesson with alcohol prohibition that even for drugs that can cause problems, prohibiting them does not, it, it just leads to more problems. And yet we continue to see that happening with other drugs. But I think because none of us have lived in the time since prohibition started of those other drugs, we have forgotten. We Our cultural memory has lapsed that there even was a time where cocaine used to be in Coca-Cola, where it yep. used to be sold um, you know, over the counter in very low dose quantities. The same was true of heroin. Um, we, we did have a way to regulate these substances previously. Um, we chose to take a different path. Uh, it was not evidence-based or research-based when we went down that path. And I think if we can rethink that, we can get to the things that we really want. And that's that's what the book Curious is all about, is just inviting people to become curious and say, if you're concerned, and I think every parent in America is concerned with their kids getting hold of drugs and their kids dying from an overdose when you don't even need to be addicted to die from an overdose. You can just get too much. Um, you know, the first time you use it, that can happen that, to all you. All you got to do is be in the room. So it, it just is this very, um, it's a pressing issue. And I think sometimes when we feel pressed, we go to fear. We just think I'm afraid and I just want to kind of shut down. And we can't do that. If we continue to respond out of fear, fear shuts down our ability to learn and it shuts down our ability to think critically. And this issue, we have got to be thinking critically about. We've got to be learning about it, focusing on those root causes of harm. Because I think for, for Joanne and for millions of people like her, we have an opportunity right now to get much better outcomes than we've been getting to save people's lives. But it's going to take us being willing to learn about new ideas and consider things we might have thought were crazy previously. And amen. You know, last time you were on, you also talked about what the nation of Portugal did in their war on drugs, but they went about winning the war in a very different way than we've been trying to go about it here in the United States and achieved a different outcome. Tell us about that. Yeah, so about 20 years ago, it's getting close to 25 years now, they um, had a 
a terrible heroin overdose epidemic and they decriminalized the possession of all drugs. So they did not legalize drug markets there. They still have, it's not legal to manufacture or sell drugs. They really just addressed this consumer side, people who are using drugs. And they said, we're not going to arrest them anymore. We're not going to incarcerate them. Um, instead, we're going to try to approach this as a public health issue. We're going to try to help people get into treatment very quickly if they have a problem um, and want help with it. We're going to try to help them find jobs, find housing. Um, really, they approached it by saying, how could we help people build lives they want to be fully present for rather than how can we punish people for the life that they're living right now? Yeah, amen. That's what we've got to be thinking about. This, if we're concerned about addiction and drug use, we have to be thinking about why are people using and addressing those root causes? Or it's just whack-a-mole. We're just looking at behavior we don't like and trying to crack down on it. It has not worked. It will not work. We've got to do the harder work of going deeper, being curious with other people about what's really going on in their life. And then figuring out ways to make healthy communities available for people so they can find the healing and belonging and purpose that all of us need. And the church has a huge role to play in that of, of not approaching this issue as these are, are people to look down upon or these are people we should be wary of, but these are people who are hurting. They, they need the the community that a faith community can offer to them, the safety, the relationships, the connection, the purpose. Um, and I think the church just has a huge opportunity right now to step into this issue, um, recognizing we have often responded terribly <laughs> to people <laughs> who have been struggling. Amen. I think that's just yeah. acknowledge it. We have not done a great job in, in many faith communities on this, um, but it doesn't have to stay that way. We can we can change. We can invite people into our um, into our fellowship, and we can listen to them, learn from them. Um, people who have struggled with addiction and are finding recovery or walking in recovery are the most incredible people you will ever meet. They have been to hell and back uh, on this earth, and what it has taken to overcome an addiction is something that is completely inspiring. And people often come out of that incredibly compassionate and humble and with so much wisdom to share. And it has been one of the joys of my life to get to know people who are in recovery and to learn from them as I have been um, doing this work and actually had a a man who's in recovery come up to me at one of my book signings and he said, I read your book and it was a really healing experience for Amen. me. Um, so I, I just think it it is, it's not just for people who have struggled with addiction. I, I don't have a history of substance use, um, but many people, probably the people I've heard the most from are family members mm -hmm. who have said, this has given me a different way to think about my loved one's addiction. It's given me curiosity um, to think about what what really might be going on in their life rather than just what's in front of these families who have many of them been under extreme stress for years trying to help their loved one. Um, and so I think it has it's giving people an opportunity to learn and to find hope and to see some potential solutions. And to I, I think 
whether or not we all agree on all the solutions, the more that we can humanize this issue and recognize the image of God in people who are struggling and in people who are supporting them um, is a really powerful and important thing. And I hope that that Curious helps do that as I share my story and the story of other people that are woven into it. As you've been going through all of this, what has been the uh, the hardest thing that you've experienced in fighting this battle? Hmm. So in the beginning, it was fighting my own mind of just how hard it is to rethink something you have always thought. It is, it's very hard. We don't like to do it. We don't like to consider if we have misunderstood something, if maybe we've lacked information that we need, um, if maybe we've just been wrong about how we have approached something. So in the beginning, it, it really was this war in my own heart over, I don't want to believe that I've been wrong about anything. I don't want to be confronted with my own judgment that I have been happy to live with for for most of my life. Um, And so that was really hard. I think now what's very challenging is um, for people who have experienced what I would say is actually the harms of prohibition, um, it can be very easy not to see the root cause of that harm. So if you're a parent who has lost their child to a fentanyl overdose it's difficult for a lot of people to see past fentanyl. Fentanyl becomes the enemy. Instead of asking that bigger question of why was my child using something that had fentanyl in it? Why is fentanyl even in the underground drug market? And when you ask those questions, you come back to prohibition, to all of these contaminated drugs flooding the market because um, there's a huge demand for them, for people who can't buy them legally. So even for children who you think about alcohol, kids who drink alcohol today, certainly kids in high school drink alcohol, even though they are underage. So it certainly has a deterrent effect to them that it's illegal for youth to drink. And yet some kids are still going to find a way to get it. But what they're drinking is legally regulated alcohol. There's there's not a big underground industry for alcohol where you have people cooking up random stuff and selling it. Like nobody wants to drink that. But you don't have that with other drugs. The market for illegal drugs is so big that what kids are getting today is the contaminated version, not the legally regulated version. And so I think that's really hard because I have so much compassion for people who have experienced the devastation that prohibition has brought, whether that's through overdose, through crime and violence, whether that's through losing a loved one to years of incarceration on a drug possession charge. I have so much compassion for that. And there is so much emotion behind their response. And sometimes that can be misdirected at the wrong enemy. And so um, that can be really hard. And I, I hope that what will happen is there's a, uh, a movement as more people become educated where the people who have paid the highest price um, are able to see the, the best solution to prevent other families from going through what they went through. And that will help to catalyze a a much faster movement towards real solutions, not just reactions and not retribution, but really finding solutions. As we get ready to wrap this up, what is the number one message you'd like your readers to get from your book? I want them to get that there are solutions. They're not perfect solutions but they are much better solutions than what we have right now. 
And they're solutions that impact almost every area of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And so if they love someone struggling with an addiction, there are solutions in there for you. If you are someone struggling with an addiction, there's some solutions in there for you. If you are just somebody who wants to live in a safe community, there are solutions in there for you. There are better solutions. We can do better than we're doing right now. People do not have to die at the rate that they are dying right now from overdose. And we can all be part of the shift away from the policies and approaches that have gotten us here so that we can save a whole lot of lives. Amen. Amen. And as we get ready to close, tell us about your organization, End It For Good. How does how does your organization try to bridge this gap we've been talking about? Yeah, we do a lot of educational work. So going and sharing through speaking engagements and interviews. We host events here in Mississippi. We participate in events around the country, helping people understand these root causes of harm. And we talked a, a very briefly about them today. They're dealt with much more in depth in the book with stories to help kind of help those things stick. And before I forget, for your listeners, uh, we want to give away 10 copies of Curious to listeners. And so um, you just need to email curious at enditforgood.com. The first 10 people to email curious at enditforgood.com. We're going to send you a free copy of it. Um, And all we ask is that you give it a read. If you hate it by the fifth chapter, you can put it down. Uh, But if it's helpful, pass it on to somebody else. Help us just spread this message that we think is the message of, of hope and solution. So that's a lot of what we do. We do education work, um, and really it is in, in service of building enough culture shift, mind shift, heart shift, that we have the momentum to move towards policy shift, where we actually change the laws that are creating so much of the harm that we're experiencing. So right now we focus the vast majority of our work just on that educational piece, helping people join this journey of learning about these solutions. And then uh, we hope that leads to a time where we all look back and say, gosh, I can't believe we used to think about addiction as a criminal issue. And we used to stigmatize and otherize people who were hurting and suffering and made in the image of God and in need of, of the same things that all of us need. So yeah. Amen. Amen. Christina, this is so interesting. You and your organization, you're doing a marvelous work out there. I learned a lot for preparing for this interview, you know, prior to this. So I had a inkling of what we would be talking about as we were going into today's interview. But just talking with you is so inspiring to know that that somebody is actually making a difference and, and has the ear of people that that can make a difference. And, and I also believe our listeners have learned a lot as well, and, and they have a new perspective on things as well. If someone wanted to get in touch with you or your organization, maybe to check out your services, ask you to come speak, or maybe just do an interview like this. How can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Yep. You can go to enditforgood.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there. We put out all sorts of information, freebies, all kinds of things on there. There's also on the website a number of free resources, um, three ways you can help people struggling with addiction. There's another one that's just about talking about um, very uh, tough topics like this where people feel very emotionally about them. How do you do that in a way that can foster great dialogue? We've got a PDF that you can download on that from what we've learned hosting these conversations. So enditforgood.com. You can also email me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can do that at Christina at enditforgood.com. Christina with a C-H. I'd love to hear from you. Grab the book. Tell me what you think. 
tell me all the things you disagree with and the ones you do agree with. And let's uh, find where we have commonality and work together Amen. towards life and health and hope. Amen. Amen. I'll put links all this in the show notes below. Folks, the war on drugs, you know, may have been a good idea. It was just implemented the wrong way. That's what Christina Dent has been sharing with us. And we have fostered an environment that simply intensifies the dependency, basically, and intensifies the addictions and intensifies the mindset that that everything has to be hidden and hush-hush. We as a nation and as communities, we must change our mindset in order to effectively change the mindset of those who are truly being harmed and those using the drugs themselves. Go down the show notes, click the link right there, get in touch with Christina Den and her organization, End It For Good. Offer support. Click the donate tab on our website. Set along a love offering and financial giving. And you know, There's no amount that's too small. Every little bit helps. And while you're there in the show notes, be sure to click the link, order her book, Curious, A Foster Mom's Discovery, An Unexpected Solution to Drugs and Addiction. And if you click the, I just put a link down there she was talking about, you email her and mention the KCR podcast. You'll get a free book, first 10 listeners that respond. Praise God. Thank you for doing that, Christina. I do appreciate it. And, and Christina, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the program and visit with us and share all about what you're doing and about your great book that you finally got published, Curious, A Foster Mom's Discovery of an Unexpected Solution to Drugs and Appreciation or Addiction. I do appreciate that so much that you came back on. Congratulations on getting it published. Thanks so much. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. Oh, it's been good. Take action on it. Just don't sit on it and think, oh, that was a good conversation. Take some action on it. Praise God. Get in touch with your legislators. Refer them to this episode so they can hear Christina's own voice sharing passion that, that she's been working on. Maybe they can work out something she can come in and address their legislature. Doesn't matter. You know, this, we've got Zoom calls now. She can appear in Zoom all across all 50 states. Praise God. But do something. That's the whole point. Do something. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Christina Dent, myself, this Pastor Bob remind you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.